Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And the last episode a week ago, we're down to these once-a-week episodes because it's, it's kind of a slow time. Month has kind of turned into a slow time uh, in the current college football calendar. But in the last episode, Gabby said he planned to go up to Orlando, check out some Miami targets that live up there. Um, and he did that. So we want to recap that visit what he learned while spending time with those guys, uh, you know, where Miami stands for them at this early stage. Uh, we also want to talk more about the quarterback developments. Uh, we, we touched on that, I feel like, quite in depth in the last episode, and, and there's there's new developments there, I feel like, um, since the last week. And June official visits are kind of heating up uh, right around the corner. The new, it's somewhat new still, maybe two or three years, uh, but summer official visits are, are becoming more and more of a thing. And uh, June is kind of becoming a, a very important month in recruiting um, with each passing year over the past, I don't know, three, four, five years or so. So Miami's got some of those set up official visits. Gabby, I asked him to highlight maybe five official visits um, for June that has caught his attention or, or is worth mentioning, talking about. Uh, then we want to get into some new targets. I feel like some new names have popped up. We've discussed Emery Williams, but some new names that have popped up um, since Miami spring game. Uh, I feel like there's, there's others popping up during this May evaluation period. And then we will wrap things up with discussing um, – the potential new ACC schedule. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that to kind of close things out. So Gabby, uh, road warrior, Urrutia. <laughs> how was your trip to Orlando making the drive up the turnpike? I assume that's the route you took. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's, the, I, I guess that's the route I took. Yeah, it is. Um, oh boy, yeah, that, no, yeah, man. No, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I'm the follow ways. ways. I'm the ways guy, man. I just okay. throw on ways in whichever way I, 
I think I initially took me off. It took me up 75 because that's closer to me, but then it drops me off on the turnpike. So yeah, I guess right. uh, it's an easy drive. You know, I've kind of learned to like, I feel like growing up, it's always like, oh, go to Orlando. It's a four hour drive. And then you kind of do it as an adult. It's like, ah, it's not too bad. So, uh, you know, I think it was a, it was a nice, easy drive. Just, you know, jammed out, listen to music, podcasts, all that fun stuff. So nice so- easy road over there. We can we can discuss this however you want to discuss it. What you know, chronological order of how you visited guys, or just whoever you want to talk about first. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you to to kind of take it where you want to take it. Who do you want to touch on first? Yeah, uh, for sure. So I, I mean, I got there Thursday afternoon. Uh, first stop I made up there was at uh, Kissimmee Osceola High School. Uh, that's home of you know top two four seven defensive lineman Derek LeBlanc and John Walker. Uh, got to talk to them before their spring game against Orlando Edgewater. Um, and, uh, you know, both of those guys, I mean, ended up telling me that they were going to, you know, turn around and, and visit Miami that Saturday, which they ended up doing. I know they spent a few hours, um, at, at UM on Saturday. So I think that's a pretty big deal for Derek LeBlanc. Um, I don't think an official visit is, is set yet in terms of just like a date or anything like that, but I do expect Miami to, you know, grab one of those five official visits, uh, for John Walker, uh, pretty interesting. I mean, again, I know it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, I kind of, you know, I think we all kind of live and die by it in the recruiting industry. Like, you know, if you're not getting one of those five official visits, I think you have a pretty slim chance of, you know, landing a signature. Um, but you know, John Walker, just, you know, he says Miami's probably not going to get one of those five officials. I think he's going to go see UCF, Michigan, Ohio state, USC in the summer, and then probably going to visit Florida sometime in the fall. Uh, he was decked out in Florida stuff, like a whole Florida jumpsuit. Um, again, but he said that he told Miami just even earlier that day on Thursday that they were one of his top three schools. And again, he did turn around and visit them on Saturday and spend a good amount of time there. But still, you want to get one of those five official visits. I'm sure right. Miami will want to you know, continue to push for one of those. But right now, um, don't have one of those. So I think that that's pretty telling about where they stand with uh with John Walker, I know Rod Wright was there, uh, you know, watching uh, John Walker play. Derek LeBlanc didn't suit up, um, but Rod Wright was there to watch those guys. And um, yeah, you know, so I think that was uh, th- those are probably the first couple of major conversations I had, uh, you know, while up there in Orlando. Do you believe John Walker when he says Miami's in his top three, even though he's not visiting? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I would say I'll probably, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's like top three. I mean, I think that that could just be something he's saying and maybe he, I, I could buy that. He's legitimately interested. I don't, I don't think he would have, you know, taken that trip on Saturday. I know he came down at one point of the spring, but was like, like randomly showed up at like 3 PM when most guys are probably already heading out, uh, was just kind of there. I know he was also there for that elite prospect. So he's been around and all that type of stuff. But I mean, again, if you're not, if you know, if you don't like a school enough to give him one of those five officials, um, I think that that's pretty, pretty significant right. to me, especially if Florida's getting one. It's not like you're just going out there trying to see all these different schools, which I get. You want to go see and these UCF. other programs and UCF exactly, which is right down the road. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, like, what's the latest with his recruitment? Because he had originally planned to make a decision. What like? late July-ish, um, but he's pushed that back, correct? Yeah, so he was a part of that uh, July 23rd uh, commitment ceremony day that was supposed to be him, him uh, Peyton Kirkland, Malik Bryant, 
Uh, you know, those three were supposed to all announce a decision together. It sounds like he's kind of separating himself from that for whatever reason it is. He says he feels like he needs more time. He's not tying himself to any specific date. So I think he's kind of, you know, leaving it open. It's funny because Derek LeBlanc was the guy that sort of hinted in like December that a commitment could have been coming right. soon and then set a commitment date for July. And now just continued to say he needs he needs more time. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a, an interesting pool between maybe even I, what I believe to be really the core of the recruitment which is oklahoma florida and miami i really think that those are probably the three schools that he's trying to figure out i know penn state's probably going to get an official visit as well but not sure uh you know how close penn state is tied to maybe some of the other programs in the mix there so i think it's really those three schools at this point maybe just trying to battle it out see what's uh what's going on and he's going to be in oklahoma i think for an unofficial um in june um and then I think he's going to be at Florida at some point. I think he's going to be at Florida on June 10th or June 17th or something like that. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's going to get those two officials out of the way early again, not committing on the 23rd. So I think that gives Miami a little bit more time to sort of, you know, get that official in maybe at a later date closer to when he maybe makes a commitment. Do you have an opinion on who like of those two, who intrigues you more just as a, as a football player? Yeah, I mean, I, I get the intrigue with both guys. I mean, I get, I definitely get the intrigue with, with Derek LeBlanc, you know, just kind of given his size. Um, I don't think either one are, are finished products. Um, you know, I think if, again, not I'm not hating on anyone's, like, you know, scouting eye or anything like that. But, you know, I think, you know, Derek LeBlanc might be ranked just a little bit too high. You know, I'm not sure if he's sure. the number 17 player in the country. Uh, John Walker, I think is like 93 or something like that. I think I'm not certain that he's a top hundred player in the country either. Um, you know, so I think both those guys are both top two, four, seven guys. I think those are two, four star prospects right now, but, um, you know, I, I mean, of the two, maybe John Walker, cause it's just maybe not a lot of guys that are six, three, you know, 300 plus pounds running around as high school juniors. So as an interior guy, I could see why he could be, you know, more I, I i you know i can see why people would fall in love with him maybe a little bit more i think the motor runs needs to run a little bit hotter i do think he kind of has that like attitude that persona that you kind of want from an interior defensive lineman kind of like that nastiness um but still i think i need i, I was kind of you know not disappointed but i thought i was going to see a little bit more from him um in that spring game and leblanc was held out because of what yeah, LeBlanc was held out just because of a hamstring injury. I think he, I think he could have played, but I think they're just being sort of, you know, cautious with him. Yeah, I think they're just playing it safe, and he didn't really get after it. I think honestly, one of the more intriguing prospects on Osceola's roster is is Jakeem Jackson, and you know, he's a a guy that when like flew into the top two four seven. Um, you know, he's a really long corner, uh, sub eleven, uh, a sub eleven hundred meter speed, really long. Uh, Tennessee was out there to see him. I know Miami offered him, and even just talking to you know, someone in Coral Gables, you know, one person, you know, in the building thinks that he could be a potentially, you know, top three corner in the state. And I mean, he's, he looks really, really pretty in a uniform, um, you know, just moves around really well. Again, has that verified speed is definitely long. So he might be the most, the most intriguing of the three on, on Osceola's roster, even though maybe uh, John Walker and Derek LeBlanc get a little bit more pub. So is Miami not really pushing that hard at this point for Jakeem, even though they have offered? Yeah, I mean, I talked to him, um, you know, just after I talked to LeBlanc and John Walker, he says he hears mostly from DeMarcus Van Dyke. Um, he hasn't gotten a ton of, you know, you know, 
he hasn't had a ton of communication with Jamal with Jamil Day uh, quite yet, and I think that that's pretty telling because I mean, obviously sure. Jamil Day is the secondary's coach, so you know, again, um, you know, I think Van Dyke's maybe keeping him warm, but I, right. I, if I'm Miami, again, considering where you're standing with, uh, you know, Cormani McLean with John Johnson. Um, going to Ohio State. I mean, there's a group of corners that I would start maybe attacking right now. Right. And I think Jakeem Jackson is absolutely in that group of guys where you're like, you know, these, this is someone I think you want to pivot to. So if I made you put a crystal ball, and there's a long ways to go on uh, Walker and Le- LeBlanc after you visited them, where would you put it? I'd probably put them both on Florida. Um, just because, I mean, both of them were wearing Florida gear with John Walker again, had like the whole, like, if, if you threw him in the middle of Gainesville, wearing what he was wearing, he would have looked like he was on the football team, just like the whole Florida right. tracksuit. LeBlanc was also wearing a Florida hoodie. And again, I mean, that's, that, that's really not much, but I think it's notable that, you know, Florida's getting both these guys on campus, um, sure. you know, relatively soon, I guess. And, uh, you know, John Walker has that last official visit sort of held off to the side for them, you know, for, for the fall when he might make a decision. Anything else on Kasemi Osceola or move on to another guy? No, I think we can move on. So who do you want to touch on now? Yeah, I mean, probably the guy that they were playing against, uh, you know, top two, four, seven running back, Cedric Baxter, the number two tailback in the country. He was, he kind of went into the day on a pitch count, you know, kind of heard him on the sideline saying that he's only going to play about 10 plays. Uh, he got two plays in the first play, the, his first run, he kind of got, you know, stuffed at the line. Honestly, linebacker made a pretty good play. The second one probably went for like 12 or so yards, got some helmet to helmet contact, um, kind of went down and then was kind of holding his hammy. So um, he was done after just two plays, but I mean, the sideline was just littered with college coaches with between Texas A&M, uh, Kevin Smith from Miami, uh, Alabama, uh, Florida state UCF. I mean, just so many, so many different schools there um, to watch Cedric Baxter and uh, you know, just talking to him after it sounds like his first official visit is set to uh, potentially set. I don't think it's officially done yet, but might be to Texas on June 10th. Uh, sounds like he's going to get down to Miami to camp at some point, which I think is a really big deal. He's one of those guys that really wants to work out. Um, that's assuming that he's healthy. I mean, he said if he's not healthy, then he'll just come down for an unofficial visit in the summer. He's also going to go see Texas A&M at the end of June. I think that June 24th weekend. So he won't be at Legends camp um, for for Miami. But, uh, you know, I think Texas A&M is probably... Um, you know, I mean, that, that's a school that, you know, kind of just working those sidelines and, you know, hearing, you know, seeing those guys sort of be there and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's, it feels like Texas A&M might be a school to, to definitely watch for, for Cedric Baxter. Do you look at it as a Miami, Texas A&M battle, Miami, Texas A&M, Texas battle? How do you view it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I really think all five of these schools are kind of in there. I know he's really, okay. I mean, I talked to him about Arkansas. I mean, he loves that, that Sam Pittman is, is an O-line coach and that, you know, that I think believe, well, he said that they led the SEC in rushing. Uh, I'm not sure if that, if that's what they did, but they might've, I would believe that, um, you know, so I think he's really intrigued by that. I and mean, for those same reasons, he really loves Mario Cristobal that Mario Cristobal is an offensive line coach. And he knows that he's going to build that roster to be friendly, you know, with running the ball. And I think that's something that he really, really likes. And uh, so I, I mean, I know Miami's in there. I mean, again, I think all five of these schools, I mean, still have a shot right now. Again, I think Texas A&M would probably, I'd probably put them in the you know upper category of, of that top five. I think I would put Miami in the upper, in the upper category of that top five, but you know, he was wearing the Florida gloves and had a Florida towel. 
So I guess you got to can't really count out the Gators yet. Uh, um, you know, he is going to go on that official to see Texas, but that's a really early official uh, considering how far he wants to take this recruitment. So, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm a school, I'm not sure I want an official visit from Cedric Baxter in the summer. So I think that that could be pretty telling too about, uh, you know, how he sort of views Texas. So Miami, pro- maybe a late fall or maybe even like December official visit. What are you expecting there from a Miami perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see when he comes down. I mean, maybe they could do something where maybe they try to make like the Florida State game one of those big official visit weekends. I'm not sure if that's exactly the case, but, you know, I, I could see that sort of happening, you know, maybe a little bit later into the season and uh, all that type of stuff. Maybe they push it to December. Again, I, I could see this being uh, a, a signing day type of deal unless he really, really falls in love with, with the school. But, um, you know, I would definitely prefer a fall visit from Cedric Baxter, just considering his timeline and what he sort of has in mind. And one thing I did ask him, I was like, you know, is there any other schools outside of this top five? I mean, you could, you always have to factor in, you know, the Georgias, the Alabamas. I mean, I mean, even like USC, that's still, that, hey. that wasn't in that cut. And he's like, and he's told me straight up and he was just like, I'm going to one of those five schools. So I think okay. that, I think he's really sort of narrowed it down to those guys. And I think he, those, that's who he's really focused on right now. How did he look just, I know he only played two plays, but just body type wise, how's he look to you? Yeah, no, he kind of looks like a freak, you know, just even like watching him move around and stuff and just like sort of the size, stature, all that stuff. I mean, again, I think he's, I I think everyone here knows on this podcast how I feel about Cedric Baxter. Uh, I mean, I think he sort of just checks every single one of those boxes in terms of what you're looking for in in a running back. And, you know, I just, I mean, I think he's going to be absolutely incredible at the next level, wherever he, he chooses to play. So um, yeah, I, I thought he looked awesome. I just don't think he was fully healthy either. Just being real, right? Looking at the the his top five, right? I think it's fair to say all five of those programs have some NIL abilities. Oh, absolutely. How much of a factor do you think that's gonna play in his recruitment? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I feel like with the NIL stuff, I mean, I think he I think he genuinely likes all five of those schools, but I think the NIL could always be the sweetener. And again, another I mean, when we're talking about Texas A&M, I mean, that's a part of the reason why I feel like, you know, they're in that top group because, you know, they went super defensive heavy with this historic, you know, class of 2022. I think they're going to try to go offense. I mean, that's what that's the word on the street is that they're going to try to get some, you know, some offensive firepower. Now they obviously got, you know, Chris Marshall, Evan Stewart, those types of guys. So, you know, definitely landed their fair share of offensive dudes, Connor Wiegman also, but I think they want to add some more skill um, as maybe some offensive linemen as well to that. So, you know, I think Cedric Baxter's could be one of those guys that they zero in on that. They want to be one of the pillars of this next big, big time sex A&M recruiting class. And yeah, I mean, NIL could definitely play a factor. I think we all heard the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher um, exchange. And, you know, I think, I don't think, I mean, I think, you know, obviously with no mics on or anything like that, I mean, I don't think anyone's, would really truly deny that NIL is not a factor anymore at either one right. of those schools. So, um, you know, I think that Cedric Baxter and NIL could be something, but again, I know Miami has a very competitive situation as well. Right. And I think, uh, you know, Miami would, you know, keep themselves in the game with whatever, uh, you know, can happen from, you know, the people that are creating those packages, you know, for the hurricanes. Baxter's currently a top 50 prospect, according to the composite ranking. anyone else to touch on, from Orlando Edgewater, or should we move on? No, we can move on from them. Who do you want to highlight? 
Yeah, let's go um, Friday morning. Uh, first stop I make Friday morning is at Orlando Jones High School. Uh, talk to uh, top 247 linebacker Malik Bryant. He has an official visit set with Miami for June 24th. Um, I think that's a pretty big deal. Again, uh, I, we mentioned earlier how that July 23rd uh, commitment date between you know Peyton Kirkland, uh, Malik Bryant, Derek LeBlanc. I mean, Malik Bryant is sticking to that July 23rd date. So um, you know, I think it's good that Miami will probably get that final like June official visit. Right. I think he's gonna go see. He's going to go see USC and he's going to go see Florida on official visits before he gets to Miami on the 24th. So I think Miami is that will legends have, weekend. That is legends camp weekend. So Malik Bryan will be a part of that legends camp official visit weekend, um, which is, I mean, it's shaping up to be a pretty big weekend. Uh, I mean, Malik Bryant, Monroe, Monroe Freeling, uh, Jackson Howard, I think will be there as well. So I think that that's going to be a pretty solid official weekend and just, one of those big events. So, um, you know, I, I, I think Miami's in an okay spot there. One thing that sort of concerns me is, uh, you know, he's his first stop of June is going to be an unofficial visit to Alabama. And, uh, he's still planning. He has, he's still holding on to two official visits to sort of keep for the fall. Um, again, so that first I'm worried. My, my concern is whatever that first commitment is, um, you know, I'm not sure it'll ever, yeah, I'm not sure it'll, whatever school picks it up. Um, will ever feel fully secure in that because he is still sort of leaving the door open to schools like Georgia and Oklahoma. Again, he wants to take one of those fall official visits, most likely to Alabama. And, uh, you know, this is one of those recruits that you never fully, you know, you know, you, you never really breathe easy, you know, while, even if you do right. have their battle. commitment, yeah, you're going to have to battle it out through signing day. So regardless of the decision he makes on July 23rd, um, I don't think that this recruitment's anywhere near being over. Um, no matter what that decision is. Did he say anything new, anything interesting about what he was thinking with Miami? He's been down. He was down a bunch during the spring. Um, anything stand out to you? Well, I know he said that, uh, you know, Charlie Strong uh, went by his school, um, you know, so he got, I mean, Charlie Strong was just sort of like around and stuff. Obviously they can't really have conversations while they're there, but Charlie Strong did make an appearance. I believe Kevin Smith went through the school, you know, each school is about allowed to get, um, two different spring visits, uh, you know, per, per prospect or anything like that. So I think, you know, Miami did go by Jones twice. Um, so, I mean, I think he really just likes the idea of, of, of Charlie strong and, you know, sees his merit and what he's done in the past and all that stuff. I think he's just, he just loves Miami's sort of coaching staff, the sort of family atmosphere that, that Mario Cristobal's created. And yeah, I mean, I think the whole Mario Cristobal thing, I think people see that. I think the prospects see it. I think Malik Bryan absolutely sees it after spending time there with his, uh, with his mom and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Miami's just got to keep sort of battling here. These are the sort of recruiting battles they want to be in. Uh, these are the, they're going to continue to put themselves in the middle of these recruiting battles. And you're going to have to go win one here for a guy, uh, you know, in the quote unquote, uh, state of Miami. So, um, let's see how that goes. If I made you put a crystal ball on him now, where would you put it? I'd probably put it on Alabama just because I do think it's notable that he, again, not getting, he's going to go see them not officially in the summer, take the rest of the official visits, make a commitment, and then still kind of plans to go back. He's already making those future plans to kind of go back and see them. So I think that sort of tells me that if, uh, if anyone's going to eventually land his signature, maybe it'll be Alabama. Do they get the first commitment? I don't know, but if I'm like sitting here on signing day, you know, I, right. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, uh, if Malik Bryant's putting on the, you know, a hat, the whatever it is. 
Did he mention, I mean, is it just the, uh, the track record of putting guys in the NFL? You know, did he go into specifically what it is about Bama? He was just like, you know, the typical like, oh, Bama, Alabama is Alabama. You know, Alabama, you know, is the best program basically in college football is essentially what he said. I think it's just like the Alabama factor of, you know, it being I mean, again, it's it's just one of those things that's tough to sort of beat. But I think one thing that he he did sort of say, which was pretty interesting to me, was just like he kind of hinted at like the sort of drama that's happened the past couple of days between like you know, the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher stuff. He's like, oh, well, you know, thing, you know, because he's like the last few days have been pretty crazy in college football. So when I'm, when I go back over there, you know, I want to ask all the questions that maybe I haven't asked before. So I'm wondering what exactly that means. He wasn't necessarily saying anything specific. I didn't know if that was NIL related or just about, you know, whatever it is that Alabama is doing, but it seemed like he was aware of that Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban exchange and, you know, everything that had sort of happened there, you know, in the days just prior, because I think the morning, I think that Thursday morning was the Jimbo Fisher press conference of when he sort of snapped and all that stuff. So again, I don't know how that correlates or if there's really like an NIL correlation there, but it seems like he wanted to go over there and maybe ask some more questions about what really maybe goes on and all that. What are your thoughts on the Jimbo Nick feud? I don't know, man. I, I again, I mean, I just think it's, I just think it's a part of the game. I think both, I think both programs use NIL. I don't know what's the big deal about like admitting that, Hey, yeah, we have really good NIL packages and you know, it's a part of what's enticing prospects to come here. Yeah. I know you want to like, like rah, rah, we have a fantastic university and that's the only reason why they're picking here. And yeah, maybe that's a part of the reason why, but to, I think at this point of the game to just completely dismiss NIL as like a realistic thing is kind of just like, all right, what are you doing? But then Nick Saban sort of attacking Jimbo like that, what I also thought was kind of like soft too, because I mean, Alabama has been Alabama and all that stuff. And I don't know why you need to make comments like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just found it. It's it's interesting because it's like an unspoken rule kind of where. Right. It it, feels like one of those things, like how baseball has like a million unwritten rules. It's like, it was like one of those unwritten rules. Yeah. You're just like, and I don't know, I guess it's one of those things that it feels like when those unwritten rules were broken and that's just sort yep. of the result. Yeah. You don't air dirty laundry in recruiting. Um, and so Jimbo clapped back now, you know, I think both guys are definitely, you know, clutching pearls when it comes to, like, let's be real, like let's not be hypocrites at the same time. Right. Um, so that's definitely happening, but Yeah. I mean, look, this is also like Nick Saban's MO, right? Like he complains about RPOs um, and then he adapts and does it. He complains, he complains about how many plays offenses are running and then he adapts and he does it too. He complains about satellite camps and he, he adapts and he does satellite camps. So, you know, I mean, this is just kind of like what Nick Saban does in terms of complaining the, the issue was he, uh, and I think I texted you this, you and Andrew on our little group chat, you know, the morning after Saban was caught or caught, I mean, uh, it got out what Saban said. I, I wrote like, yeah, like, I think he's going to regret outing A&M. Like it's one thing to out or throw shade at Miami who's not in your conference and 
you know, let's be real. They're a villain and everyone hates on Miami to some extent. And it's one thing to hate on Jackson, Jackson state, um, which to me is lame, but I mean, you can't let Jackson state win a recruiting, like, come on. Uh, but going at a guy like Jimbo who doesn't take that and a guy, a team that's in your conference, that that's where it got really interesting. And then like an hour and a half later, Jimbo called a press conference and yeah. <laughs> set the world on fire, which I'm here for all of that. Oh like, yeah. I'm totally here for all that. And Anna beat them last year. So it seems like a little salty right. too. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, like a little off season fun, but, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's just, let's be real too. Like everyone's being a hypocrite. Everyone's clutching pearls. Like, right. come on, come on. That's guys. what it feels like, like. We're, this is like, this isn't, this isn't even 10 years ago. We all know what happens at major college football. Like guys are getting money since, <laughs> since the beginning of college football. So right. now it's just in the light and it's okay to be, you know, it's okay to talk about it now. Um, Anyways, um, so after Malik Bryant, anyone, anyone else to touch on at Jones or move on to another stop? No, no one else at Jones. Um, my last stop was at a, it was to Olympia High School. A defensive lineman they really like, a guy that, that's kind of shot up our rankings too, Cameron James. I mean, big, big kid, big kid. I mean, over six foot six. I think he lists, I think he lists at six, six and a half. Uh, looks every bit of that. Um, I know that's a defensive lineman that Miami really, really likes. Um, you know, kind of talking to their head coach. Um, it seems like Rod Wright, uh, you know, went there at some point this spring, pretty recently, I'd imagine, um, you know, to see Cameron James. I mean, they were just all in the Orlando area. So, um, you know, it could have been, uh, you know, over the last, you know, few days or so. So, um, you know, Rod Wright was over there to see him. And, uh, you know, I think that, again, that's, I think that's just a name that, you know, they're really, really intrigued by. He seems to kind of just be taking in this whole recruiting process because his recruitment has absolutely blown up recently right. with offers from Georgia, Florida, LSU, uh, Miami. Um, I mean, everyone. So um, I don't think he had like a ton of, you know, really visits planned. I mean, I didn't know if he didn't really have any officials planned or anything like that or knew he was gonna, who he was going to go see. I think he ended up like showing up to Georgia the next day or something like that. But, uh, you know, I do think Miami's really working to get him on campus. And uh, again, I think that that's sort of a riser, you know, in the sunshine state that I think Miami fans need to sort of, you know, start, start, needing to get familiar with because uh that's definitely someone i could see miami you know pursuing does he look like an interior guy an edge guy because he's listed at six six like 280 does he yeah. look like a, an offensive tackle i don't know i mean he's a big dude i mean i guess he could develop into like you know a big sort of um edge type of guy i mean maybe if just be like a huge and not saying that he's like a Darrell jackson type but i mean seems like maybe similar yeah yeah maybe similar sort of again because he's kind of a little stockier too right he's not like a super like like maybe lean sort of edge. So maybe he could be you know just like a big edge or something like that i mean i could see him being sort of versatile in that way um you know he was pretty impressive at the at that Under Armour Miami camp, just sort of watching him run around then. I think that's when he really started to sort of, you know, flash and catch the attention of the, you know, the national analysts, you know, Andrew Ivins, Cooper Patagna, those types of guys that were out there watching. Um, so, you know, again, I think he's, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of de develops in the future. If he's a, if he, let's say, you know, Georgia likes him, maybe like, you know, four I or something like that, like a three, four defensive end type, or maybe a guy like, I don't know. I think he can do a lot of different types of things. 
is this another situation, another Orlando guy where Florida going to be tough to be probably? Yeah. I mean, I think Florida's definitely in the mix there somewhere. And, uh, you know, I can, I could see Florida being one of those schools that's going to be, um, you know, probably at the forefront of that the whole time. I believe they're the crystal ball favorite right now is it, I haven't yeah. really looked at his profile, but I would imagine that, uh, you know, Florida is going to be probably pretty be tough, tough to beat in this one. All right. Let's transition to quarterback recruiting. So Emery Williams, who is from Milton high school in the panhandle of Florida. Um, we kind of detailed him his deal last week. He did plan to make a, de- a college decision. When was the original plan, Gabby? This weekend? Yeah, I think the original plan was like specific right after spring ball. So yeah, it would have been uh it would have been week, this maybe. weekend. Yeah. Okay. Uh but that has changed, right? He tell us about just the the development there. Yeah. So I mean, I was exchanging messages with him, you know, over the weekend just because uh, you know, just trying to figure out if you know that commitment was still coming on the weekend. He said he was. He says it'll probably you know, he says his commitment will probably come sometime in June. Uh, he plans to take an official visit to Miami June 17th through the 19th. And I think he intends on throwing for Miami at some point in June where they can have kids and go through like, you know, the private workouts and all that stuff, or maybe he comes and competes at a camp or something like that. So, I mean, I think that that's a positive development for Miami just so yeah. they can, you know, continue to do their homework on him. Yeah. And this isn't a case. I mean, maybe Miami pushed him to camp but it does sound like if he wanted to commit this weekend he would be able to correct oh yeah i I think if he said hey i'm i'm on board i'm gonna do this i think that they would have accepted it for sure is there anything new with avery did so miami went to go see him correct but did they end up extending an offer to him is there anything new there avery johnson the four star out of kansas who we talked about last week yeah, they, they didn't offer him. Um, I thought that that was, I mean, I kind of expected them to. I thought that they would have. Um, they didn't. Uh, again, not sure if, you know, that's something. Again, maybe they, they can go out there a, a second time. I'm not sure how their spring practice schedule sort of going. Uh, I know Frank Ponce was out there last Wednesday to sort of see him. Who knows if maybe someone else wants to get eyes on him, if they need to kind of circle back and and get someone else to, to sort of see him and all that stuff before they move forward with that. Maybe, again, maybe he's another guy that – um you know, maybe they want to see him camp at Miami and, you know, and not saying that is happening, but I could see a situation like that happening, but no offer was extended. And, uh, you know, so I think that that's pretty notable right now. Agreed. So we'll see We'll we'll keep monitoring the, the quarterback situation. Um, and I agree. It's a good thing that they're getting Emory in to throw in person. Um, just continue to evaluate that situation. Um, all right. Before we take a break, Gabby, let's get into some official visits in June uh, because they are being set. You've highlighted Malik Bryant. Um, you also threw in there earlier, what, Monroe Freeling? Um, and you said one other. I forget who else. But let's just go through five guys that you find interesting that will be visiting in the month of June. First guy you want to highlight would be who? Um, I'm going to go with Jackson Howard. Um, he's okay. going to be another guy that's, I think I mentioned him earlier. He yes. was going to be there for that, um, that he was going to be there for that. Um, what is it? That Legend. legends camp weekend. Again, I, uh, my, I think he has four official visits set for the month of June. I think he plans on making commitment shortly after that. Uh, again, a guy that since basically Miami spring game, I think that we felt pretty good about 
um, you know, in terms of Miami's chances and Miami's going to get that final official visit. So again, I think that that is a really good sign. I think if you're Miami, that's the visit you want. Um, that's the weekend you want considering, you know, the, the star power that typically comes out to what was formerly known as paradise camp. And, uh, you know, how that's been between Calias Campbell and, you know, Michael Irvin right. in the past and all the all the former UM alums that all come through. I think that, that that'll be a big weekend to sort of potentially seal the deal for a guy like Jackson Howard. So he's also visiting LSU, Michigan, Minnesota um, yeah. in the month of June. So we'll see. And, yeah, got to feel good about Miami getting the last crack at it. Who else would you highlight? Yeah, I mean, just another guy. I mean, sort of touched on him now just now, David. Um, Monroe Freeling also coming that tw- that June twenty fourth weekend. Um, I just you know remember I remember talking to him the first time he came down and you know just kind of catching up with him after that, and he was just ta- talking about just like how speechless he was, just sort of being around Miami and kind of detailing how you know he had never really seen anything like it at any of these other schools in terms of just like the way the school was it's a small private school um he didn't really understand what was what it was about miami that sort of made it what it was and you know he said he watched the the u documentaries and uh you know he tried to get a feel for what miami was and then when he got there he sort of just understood it like he sort of got what made miami special despite the fact that they don't maybe have everything that some of these other schools have so again i think that i think that you know that june 24th legends camp weekend is going to be a way to sort of just continue to sort of hammer that home like this this right. is why Miami's special. It's because of this community, because of this environment, the guys that come back. And again, I think that just because of how much that impacted Monroe Freeling the first time he was around, I think doing that on a much grander scale with him in town, I think, um, you know, could potentially put Miami in a good spot. Um, I think he's going to go see Notre Dame, who's thought to be one of the you know top competitors there as well. Um, before Miami, I think he's doing that June 10th. So, um, you know, I think the fact that Miami's going to get a little, is going to get, you know, get him on campus maybe a little bit later than Notre Dame, I think could potentially be a positive for them too. Four-star top 100 offensive tackle out of South Carolina. A guy Miami's definitely going to have to battle for, like you mentioned, Notre Dame, who churns out O-lineman, Georgia too. So um, we'll see what they can sell on June 24th. Who else would you put on this list? Yeah, I guess we can just go like backwards chronological. Um, That's fine. uh, Peyton Kirkland, June 20th. Um, again, the, uh, Miami getting that final official visit. Uh, that's what he sort of told us the last time he came on that unofficial visit that Miami was going to get that final official. So he's going to go see Michigan State. Uh, he's going to go see Oklahoma. I believe he's going to go see Alabama. And I think it's Florida that might be the that. Yeah. The, the the other school in there um yeah so i think miami getting that last official visit and again i mean the last time he was at miami he was just again another one that was just kind of sort of blown away i remember i think the quote he gave me was like it's hard to sort of picture myself being anywhere else uh right now and again that's that, that's the visit high and that's all that yeah, stuff absolutely. but it's uh you know he told me that day that miami was going to get that last official and again he finally posted his official visit schedule and miami again held that last spot so i think that that's pretty good again another Another guy that we talked about the July 23rd commitment day, Peyton Kirkland, one of these guys deciding in July. So for Miami to get that sort of final in-person push, I think is a, I think it's a pretty good, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty important weekend uh, for Miami. Another Orlando area guy, who else would you highlight? Yeah. Riley Williams. Again, there's a lot of tight ends sort of in the mix. And I feel like even more so now, 
Um, you know, it feels like there's a lot of, of guys that are sort of, you know, have been on campus. There was, you know, Reed Mike that was on campus on Saturday. Uh, Julian Randolph is another guy that they sort of evaluated this spring that's on campus currently as we record this podcast. Um, but I think the guy that they want more than anyone, that if there's one guy that they could have at the position, I think it would be Riley Williams, a guy from Portland, Oregon. Mario Cristobal coached his older brother um, at Oregon. Uh, this is going to be his third time. This would be his third time in South Florida in 2022. Again, so a guy that's made multiple cross country trips. He was last at Miami for the spring game. Again, something that they're doing on their own dime when came down for that elite prospect day as well. So, you know, Miami will get him down for a full weekend. He was joined by a lot of family members when he was here for the spring game. So I think, again, I think it'll just be another chance for Miami to sort of try to you know, hammer that, that, that stuff home with them. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of other big time programs involved, Oregon, of course, which is his, you know, hometown program, Ohio state's a school that he really likes LSU and Alabama also in there as well. But, you know, I think Miami feels, you know, pretty good about where they stand right now. And I think that official visit would be a way for them to sort of see if they can, you know, potentially, you know, maybe not close it out, but, you know, continue to sort of stay at the forefront of that recruitment. And then the fifth guy you want to highlight that's going to visit in June. Yeah. Uh, again, there's a lot of names and a lot of guys that I could yeah. throw out there. Um, I'm just trying to go in terms of like relevance of guys. I think Miami could probably get, and, you know, probably really need, um, I'm going to go with another linebacker, Tony Rojas, another guy who unofficially visited, uh, you know, Miami was kind of, he wasn't really talking about Miami a ton in, you know, other interviews, uh, you know, Miami kept working and working to get him down. They finally got him down there for that unofficial visit. I think it was back in March, maybe it was early April. Um, but they, they were able to get him down. He has a sister that teaches in the Miami-Dade County school system. You know, I think his family likes the idea of potentially, you know, moving everyone, you know, down to South Florida. I think that's something that would be possible if, uh, you know, he did decide to come play down here. So I think, you know, Penn State, um, it's Penn State, Tennessee, Clemson. And, um, and Miami that are sort of battling it out there. So, you know, I think it's an opportunity for Miami to sort of, again, try to, you know, put themselves in a really good spot here again with family down here, the Hispanic culture, you know, he comes from a Hispanic family and, uh, you know, so again, I think that that's a really, really important visit because that's someone that's been way, way up there on Miami's linebacker board for, for quite some time. All right. And yeah, there's plenty more guys visiting in June. We'll cover it all in real time. Once, once those visits happen in June, but good to kind of set the table in terms of guys, Miami feels like they have a good chance at this point in, in landing, but uh, the battle never stops and we'll see who they can close on uh, during these summer months. Um, So it'll be a key time. Let's uh, let's take a break there, Gabby. And then on the other side, let's highlight some guys who Miami, you know, appears to be intrigued by here during this May evaluation period. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. And uh, Gabby, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, it seems like the tight end board is expanding. So I don't know. I don't know if any of the names you're going to give us are tight ends. Um, But I did want to touch on, you know, give some pub maybe to some guys that I don't know if rising up the board is a fair way to put it. Maybe just guys that Miami has put eyes on this spring that they feel more intrigued about and probably want to get, you know, even more eyes on during those, that, that month of June when they can have guys on campus and camp. So where do you want to take this first? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we can start, we can start there with tight end. I mean, we can even start with Julian Humphrey again. I think he's someone that they're super intrigued by again, has that basketball background was a Vanderbilt commit. And then he, he backed off of that, I think. And then Miami offered immediately, um, so, you know, six foot five, 210 pounds. I'm actually interested to sort of see him in person. I'll probably see him at some point, you know, on Monday when I, you know, make the really short, short, short drive down to the university of Miami to try to, you know, talk to him on his way out. Um, so I'm definitely interested to size him up and to sort of, you know, hear some feedback on how they're feeling about him. But, you know, I think Julian Humphrey, uh, Julian Humphrey, Julian Randolph is a definitely one of those guys that I would probably highlight, um, you know, in terms of spring evaluations that they're pretty intrigued by. Do you think, I mean, is it, is it fair to assume like Miami will probably take two tight ends in this class? Um, I think it's, I think it's possible. Um, I guess yeah. they've, t- I guess, well, they went two with Elijah Royo, Khalil Brantley, just one with Jaleel Skinner. Um, you know, so I can definitely see again, and we're the way we're projecting Elijah Royal, I guess it's possible that he's a guy that gets, you know, drafted if his career sort of goes a, a certain way. So maybe it would be smart to take two tight ends, um, this cycle. So I, I definitely wouldn't rule that out again. Also considering the amount of sort of dudes they're just sort of going after right now at the position. So right. yeah, I don't, I don't think it's far fetched to, to assume. Who else would you highlight as a, as a May evaluation guy that, has intrigued Miami. Yeah, I'm going to go Christopher Johnston. I mean, let's go local uh, running back out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard uh, state uh, state champion gold medalist in the hundred and 200 meter. I think he went like 10, four, five, uh, you know, to win a state yeah, title. Wow. It's just, just blazing speed. Uh, they're out of Dillard. Um, you know, definitely a guy that maybe he's not a true, true running back, like maybe not super comfortable, hundred percent comfortable with the position. Like maybe again, more, more of a guy that could play maybe receiver, uh, running back, just one of those guys that maybe that I think Dillard just puts the ball on his hands and, um, you know, can do a lot with it. So, you know, I think he's a really, really intriguing option. And, uh, you know, again, what, what exactly is his future position? Uh, maybe it's running back, maybe it's, uh, maybe like a slot receiver type. I, I'm, I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, but you know, I th- maybe. yeah, return man specialist, just again, one of those types of guys that you just put the ball in his hands and, you know, he will make you miss with his speed. So I think he's someone that they're pretty intrigued by. I mean, one, I, I would probably call him the, you know, f- the most, you know, I guess fastest rising South Florida prospect, you know, of the spring considering who's offered. I think Alabama's offered, um, I think, I think he's, he said he's going to go see Clemson. 
Uh, you know, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of major programs. I think Tennessee also, there, there's a lot of schools that are sort of getting involved for him right now that, um, you know, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. He visited Miami um, this past Thursday and he, you know, he kind of told me after the visit that, you know, Miami's probably the program leading for him right now, if he were to sort of set that. So I think Miami's always going to have a chance here as long as if, you know, if they do make that sort of push, uh, he's really, really close with Nigel e. Kelly. He's, he told me that they, those two like grew up together, that they're like brothers. So, um, you know, I think Miami landing him probably didn't hurt them very much. Yeah, so like a 5'10", maybe 5'11". Yeah. 165 to 180-ish type. Um, you know, he's kind of a new guy on the scene, so his measurements are still kind of up in the air, I think. But his speed is is undeniable, and uh, that's always a trait that uh, is number one on the list. Who who else would you highlight? Yeah, I'm just going to go to the offensive line. Um, people, I feel like I've gotten a lot of questions about the offensive line recently. I think this is definitely a name. Uh, Miami fans want to keep in mind is it's uh, Paul Mubenga. Uh, he's out of Buford in Georgia. So, you know, big time powerhouse program, six foot four, 280 pounder. Another guy whose recruitment has sort of just, I mean, taken off, you know, just really just this spring ish, um, you know, with Alabama, he, he's already been to Alabama. He's been to Penn state, uh, South Carolina, LSU have offered um, unofficially visited LSU. I think Michigan will get an official visit. Um, I know Miami really, really wants to get him down here for an official. And the last time I spoke to him, it was probably a couple weeks ago. Now he de- he told me that Miami was definitely one of those schools in the mix to to get one of those five officials, and that they had done a really good job recruiting him. So I think uh, Paul Mubenga is definitely one of those you know rising seniors that Miami offered this spring that I think people are going to want to sort of keep in mind. And who else would you highlight? Um, after that, again, a guy that we sort of, a couple guys, I guess that we already talked about, I mean, Jakeem Jackson, uh, again, I'm all, I'm sort of yeah. all on the Jakeem Jackson, um, hype train after sort of seeing him in person. Um, you know, he is long, he's over six foot. He has the verified speed watched him play a little bit and you know, he, he can definitely cover, he can return. They don't kick it to him in the return game. Uh, you know, he can sort of, you know, I think he can he's willing to tackle. And again, I think he's one of those prospects that you sort of just roll the dice on. And, um, you know, I think that he's someone that, uh, you know, definitely intrigues me. And again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, definitely intrigues some in Coral Gables. And the last guy, Cameron James, man, again, this is a, this is another guy Miami offered this spring that, uh, you know, I think, uh, they're going to want to know. This is a kid that emerged onto the top two, four, seven. It's definitely garnering some national attention. But um, again, if Miami wants to beef up the trenches, like Mario Cristobal sort of pounded the table on, you know, since he sort of arrived at Miami, I think Cameron James is one of those guys that they feel like they must get. Um, I, I wouldn't have stopped by Olympia high school and, and made that effort if, uh, if I didn't think Miami was, was extremely intrigued by him or very interested in him. So I definitely think that that's someone that Miami fans want to know. They've been, they've known who he was since, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely before that under armor camp, because, you know, I was getting messages at that point saying, you know, what do you think about this kid? Uh, you know, get eyes on this kid. And, you know, I think right. so they, they've been evaluating him for some time and I think, I mean, obviously they offered and so have plenty of others. So he's definitely a hot name in the sunshine state. All right. Good stuff as always by Gabby on the recruiting front. Um, let's close things out with uh, talk of potentially the ACC scrapping the Atlantic and coastal divisions going to a three, five, five 
schedule model. So what does that mean, right? So basically you would have three, um, three schools that are designated as your rival, right? That uh, you play pretty much every year. Um, and then you would have five other teams on your schedule that you would play back-to-back -back years in a home-and-home -home situation, right? Um, so there's a lot of rotation. That way, you still get to preserve some rivalries. Uh, and in the ACC, you know, I mean, let's be real, there's not that many rivalries to preserve, but it's still good to have or build um, some rivalries. Um, so, you know, this was talked about, I think, during some ACC meetings. And um, first, let's just touch on, like, why, why they would do this, Gabby. Um, and the main reason, honestly, is to spice up the league slash make it more interesting to TV slash content providers, right? We all kind of know the ACC's TV deal with ESPN is not ideal. They're locked into it until I think 2035, 2036, something like that. Um, and by that time, the SEC, so the SEC has their TV deal. I, I think 2025, it kicks in their new one. Uh, the Big 10 will have a new one soon. The Big 12 will have a new one uh, relatively soon as well. Um, and, you know, for instance, the SEC, they, once their new TV deal kicks in, they are going to probably triple the ACC in terms of revenue. Like each team is going to get, uh, and the SEC is going to get triple the revenue that an ACC team gets. So that is tough to compete with um, from a national perspective. So how does this new scheduling model help? Um, you know, this isn't going to make ESPN rip up their contract and give the ACC a significant bump. But one reason to do it is um, there are like little look-in windows in this ACC ESPN deal where, you know, every, I don't, I don't know the exact amount of years, but let's just say every four-ish years, every five-ish years, the ESPN and the ACC can come to the table and, you know, maybe ESPN might be compelled to throw a little more money at the ACC if the ACC can make a compelling argument that they are worth it, right? So um, if you go to this model, Gabby, the hope would be you generate more interesting matchups. And, and TV slash content providers, they only care about a league's marquee matchups, right? So the SEC can offer a ton of marquee matchups during the course of a season. Um, the ACC, under this, especially under this, this current system, really can't, right? And, and there's reasons for that, you know, like Miami and Florida State not living up to their um, brands, how big they can be when things are cooking. Um, but yeah, so basically, I think the goal is to make the ACC um, more TV friendly, uh, more interesting for TV, I should say. Um, 
So overall, just what are your thoughts on this? You know, do you, do you care about them scrapping divisions or are you open to this new model? Yeah. It, I mean, I, I'm open to the new model for, I mean, the reasons that you say, I mean, if it generates more money for the conference, then I'm all about it. I mean, I was, I, I never really thought about it in the way like, Oh, Hey, let's just scrap divisions and all that stuff. I always thought it was kind of fun. And, you know, I thought it was always cool. Like, Oh, you got to kind of got to win your division to, you know, sort of, you know, get to the AC or whatever. But I mean, I'm kind of cool with like, you know, best, best two teams make it, um, you know, all that, that would make stuff. it for a better ACC championship. It would definitely make it, it definitely would. Like there was, there was some years where like, you know, users, yeah, Most yeah of like them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, where the coastal was just like a bloodbath where everyone were, were like the conference, cha- like the ACC coast champion was getting in with like three or four, like conference losses. And it was just like, it was ugly. And it's just like, I mean, probably not the best. So there, it would probably would have been better served if like, you know, two of the Atlantic teams played each other that year, you know, all that stuff. Correct. So yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally cool with it. Again, if it's better for, if it makes AC more money, um, I'd be kind of, I, I think I'm kind of down for the model just cause like you kind of see the same teams every year. So it's just like, yeah, it's you know, Miami has to go to Miami's going to go to Duke and see Duke and they're going to go to Virginia. And it's just like, okay, like I would be down to like, every few, like, you know, it's always sort of a mixed bag of who you could play on any given year outside of those three. So I think it's fun. I think it's a, it's a way for like the conference to be more of a conference and every other sport, you basically have to play almost everyone or like, you know, it gets pretty close to you playing everyone in, in the, you know, in the conference and stuff like that, especially like, so I think it's a cool way for everyone to sort of see each other, you know, in a four-year window. So which, which coastal team do you care most about? I'm curious, like if you were going to preserve one coastal game, who is Gabby Urrutia? Who does he want to see? And maybe one of those three. So the three, five, five, right? The three is yeah. kind of just who you see every year. Um, who would you put there? I don't, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is hot takey, but I put Virginia tech. Really? Okay. See, I think that's like an OG answer. I wasn't expecting that to be the answer in 2022, though. Yeah. Why? Why do you go Virginia Tech? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I just like I feel like there's something really fun about those Miami Virginia Tech matchups. I think that there's something really like awesome about Lane Stadium. I mean, again, it's just like I don't really have like a real like reason other than like I feel like some of the, ma- the, the matchups have been good. The yeah, I mean, days. it's a yeah. Again, I think it's a historic matchup. I think Lane Stadium's awesome. I think that's just a venue I would like to see. You know, my, I, me personally, I would love to go to Lane Stadium and watch sure. Miami play. Virginia Tech over there, you know, every other year, whatever it is. So I just think it's a really cool place to play. Again, I know it's an OG sort of matchup and stuff for Miami. So, you know, I think Virginia Tech is one of, is probably the school I'd lean. I mean, I was, I think my other, I, I mean, I don't know what your answer is, but well, the one I mean, that I gets have, me fired up lately is North Carolina. Yeah. That would be, that would, that would be my other, that was who I was battling between. So, yeah. I think 2022 North Carolina probably makes more sense, but I like the Virginia Tech one too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think the ACC has to figure a way to spice up the conference, right? Like, okay, I'm, and this is random, and, and you could argue this is like a faulty argument or whatever, but so I took, um, you know, in week four, right, the best pure ACC matchup of that week four of this year's schedule is Clemson and Wake Forest, right? And I think that's that's going to be a very interesting game this year, right? You got the high-powered Wake Forest offense against a very, very good Clemson defense. Um, Clemson's a marquee program now. Wake Forest is trying to be consistently good. Um, You know, 
Wake Forest won the Atlantic division last year, right? So um, there's, there's a little bit of a storyline there for that game this year, right? Also that week, though, so like how does that game, that marquee quote-unquote ACC game compare to the rest of the country? Um, and, and frankly, it's not like the strongest college football week um, nationally, but, it, but that Clemson-Wake Forest game still – to me, it ranks below a lot of other conference matchups. Like you got Ohio State and Wisconsin. You got Florida, Tennessee. I would put Texas A&M, Arkansas above Clemson, Wake Forest. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, technically, I don't, I don't count this as an ACC matchup because Notre Dame's not in the ACC. Their big toe is, but the whole Notre Dame is not. Uh, but Notre Dame plays North Carolina that week. Um, Baylor, Iowa state to me is more interesting on a national perspective. Auburn, Missouri, I think will draw more eyes. Kansas state, Oklahoma will draw more eyes. The PAC 12 is weak that, that week. Uh, but you still got like Utah and Arizona state. You still got Oregon and Washington state. So the ACC has to find a way to just become more relevant by right. generating like if you can generate better matchups, um, you have to do it. Um, so spice it up. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go into who should be the three Miami's three. If Miami does adopt or Miami, if the ACC does adopt this model, um, I think it's fair to say Florida state is untouchable as one of the three. Um, and so let's go, let's answer, answer this two ways. Let's say Notre Dame um, is going to be a part of this. Would you want Notre Dame as one of those three? Absolutely. Me too. 100%. Um, and so then who would you put as your third? Would you go Virginia Tech? I'd probably go Virginia Tech, yeah. Okay. I would go North Carolina. So let's say you scrap Notre Dame pull Notre Dame out of the mix. You know, they just want their big toe in it and maybe Miami will catch them as one of the fives, right. Um, in the three, five, five model. Um, so you, so we both got Florida state. I go North Carolina, you go Virginia tech. Who would you then put as your third? I'd probably put North Carolina. I would go Clemson. Wow. Okay. I want the smoke. And I think it's for the, it's best for the conference, man. You have to lean into this. Yeah. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats, right? Whatever that yeah. cliche is. Um, and look, if yes, this, this, I also think we can't have the loser mentality of, Oh, well, Clemson's going to Clemson makes for a really hard schedule. Um, I don't know. What do you the want SEC, to accomplish? Yeah, like it's just the like, SEC teams have to go through a gauntlet, do they not? Yeah, and they're yeah. always in the championship game. They're yeah. always in the conference or conference, the college football playoffs. Um, to raise the revenue of the league, you have to make it more attractive, man. And and a Clemson Miami matchup every year, I mean, that's going to get major eyeballs. Yeah. Um, and so that trade off, rather than, oh, that could be a loss. You know, and, and let's be real too. Um, Miami, with the moves Miami's making here over the past nine months, um, 
they're trying to extinguish this type of loser mentality thinking. Right. They don't want to, they don't want to backdoor their way to success. Um, cause, cause frankly, backdooring your way to success isn't sustainable and doesn't work once you play some real teams, I would argue like that's a big reason why when Miami, uh, goes to these bowl games and they play like sec teams or big 10 teams, they get exposed, man. Like, um, the fifth best ACC team is not on the same level as the fifth best SEC team or big 10 team Right. that we've learned that here the past 15 years. Um, and so I think in order to raise the conference, I, and I don't think this would happen, but I would fully embrace it. If my, if the ACC goes to a three, five, five model and Clemson was a team Miami played every single year. To me, that's the big type of bold move the ACC needs to make because that is something they can actually do. Um, I don't know like what else they can do to try and generate more TV revenue. Yeah, I mean, for TV revenue, that's I think that honestly, I think that would be I didn't really think about it because I was thinking more rivalry schools that maybe they've been tied to. But honestly, I don't think Mario Cristobal would duck that either. I think that's something he no. would welcome too because I think he Dan Radakovich. Yeah, love it. yeah, I think that that's something. It sells that season Miami, tickets too. If we're being hundred percent, yeah, I think everyone would love to see Clemson every other year. Um, again, and this, and you're you kind of looking at the way that Miami's trying to build this program. Like you can't be you can't be afraid to duck Clemson because if you want to do what you say you want to do. Clemson is like the least of your worries because you're going to have to get through Clemson to go. You're going to have to get through Clemson every single year to get through, get to where you want to be eventually. Right. Like you need to be able to get through Clemson. So you, I think you welcome that matchup. And again, you talk about the sec, like Clemson in the sec is just like, you know, it's one of these teams that you're playing. I mean, you're talking about Texas A&M and Arkansas, like, you know, that could, you know, that's a, that's a big time matchup. Arkansas is a good program, all that type of stuff. Like Clemson is, an sec caliber team that you can choose that you can pair yourself to any given year. I think that elevates the program too. And that's what TV is going to care about. Right. TV, like quite frankly, like I don't know if TV care cares as much about like Miami and Virginia tech nowadays. You know what I mean? Well, the last time Miami Clemson played, it was like college game day, right? Like it was one of those things that was it when they went up, when they went up there. Uh, was it? I don't know. I think so because I know they had a run where like Miami had like it was three a college game, game games. Yeah, I mean it was a prime time game. I was at a I was at a wedding for that game, but uh, yeah, I know it was like again that it's it, that's that's Miami Clemson play and that's national television every single time. Yes, yeah. So uh, think big, embrace it, um, and also too like you know the college football playoff. It's a matter of time before it expands, right? So if it expands to 12 or 16 teams, then you're going to see a lot of two or three lost teams get into the college football playoff because once it expands, um, you truly do just take the 12 or 16 best teams. You don't really care about the team that has zero losses or one loss. You know, those teams get in anyways. Um, But, you know, you can still decipher the good teams that play good schedules and still have two, three losses, um, and get them in the postseason. So, um, this is the type of stuff the ACC has to do, um, because they're locked into a bad deal. Um, and I'm here for it. If, you know, I would prefer if Notre Dame was all in Miami play Notre Dame every year, but if that's not an option, bring that Clemson smoke. Would you do Clemson and Notre Dame? 
Person Notre Dame, Florida State. How wild would that be if those are your three? Personally, I'd love it. I think that'd be awesome. But I just think differently. Like I don't think I don't think the fan base would be for that because it would be a tough schedule. Um, it would be. Absolutely. But that would be. I mean, I think everyone would love to play Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State every year, no matter what. That'd be an awesome schedule. Yeah, I and mean, then you know, you never know. You get maybe you get some of the favors. You get like you mix in like the Syracuse or like the Duke or something like that. Like that's also still possible. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a guarantee. And I think Miami again, if Miami's continues to trend the way that they're trending. I don't right. think that that's ever like a guarantee. I don't think either one of those games is ever a guaranteed loss on the schedule or anything like that. Right. This yeah. is why they brought in Mario Cristobal, right. right? Elevate the program. And to me, part of that is elevating the mentality. Um, it's going to take time to get there. Um, but if we're thinking big and thinking that Miami's going to get back to what Miami is, I mean, go look at those. Like, if you go, like when Miami was an independent, go look at who they were playing. They yeah. were playing a ton of ranked teams um, week after week after week. They weren't ducking anyone when they were independents. Um, so that's just my thoughts on it. Um, people can push back and I see where they're coming from. But yeah, load up that schedule. I mean, again, the SEC does that now. Like those teams are really good. The SEC West is ridiculously deep. Yeah. Um, and Alabama comes out of there. LSU comes out of there. Texas A&M is working on coming out of there. So, you know, Ole Miss last year won 10 games in a SEC West division. So um, if you really stack talent and have your program rolling, you can handle a tough schedule. Um, so, yeah, anything else to add? No, that, no that's, that's it for me. All right, good episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Gabby dropping the recruiting knowledge as always. Uh, appreciate everyone who's checking out the website too during this slow, slower time of year. Um, things will get ramped up in June with camp season. Um, lots more recruiting buzz to come. And uh, again, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, go Panthers, go Heat, go Panthers, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe go Panthers, I don't know. <laughs> go Heat. Go Heat. Um, my magic got the number one pick so oh let's go that's right unfortunately i'm a magic you, fan chet, you're gonna get a little chet holmgren i don't know man i'm worried about that body yeah well, you I'm, on jabari are you, you're a jabari, a jabari guy? guy even after isaiah wong stuff i know right i know uh gonna come full circle for you still go jabari All anyways right. Right. no one wants my uninformed nba draft opinions <laughs> and uh Until next time, take care.